Take your Bible with me and find your place at Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. We're going to read from verses 19 to verse 30 as we continue our study of the book of Philippians. Today, today uh, the message is entitled, Two Model Servants. Two Model Servants. And at the end of this service, we're going to participate in the observance of the Lord's Supper. I want to read to you beginning in verse 19 of Philippians chapter 2. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I send him the more, the more eagerly that when you see him again you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Let's pray together as we begin. Lord we turn to your word and we continue our worship it didn't end with the music. It continues by the hearing of your word. And I pray today that you will speak to our hearts. May your spirit guide us into all truth today. In your name I pray, amen. Well, we're enjoying this study in the book of Philippians. And we learned early on that central to the book of Philippians is the subject of joy and rejoicing. God wants us to be filled with joy and rejoicing, and he continues that very subject right here in these 12 verses that we've read here uh, just a few moments ago. What's interesting, though, is that when you get to verse 19, it's like there's a break that takes place between what's gone before and what will come after. Rather than it seeming like we're reading from Paul uh, the prisoner for Christ, it's almost as if at this moment it becomes Paul the administrator of church affairs. Because you see Paul talking about two very specific men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and he's talking about moving these men to different places and giving them different responsibilities so that they can fulfill a particular need that needs to be met. And so it's almost as if Paul, who is in fact a prisoner, He's under arrest in Rome, chained to a Roman guard 24-7. It's almost as if he steps back from that role as a prisoner for Christ to become this administrator of church affairs for just a few minutes. And in doing so, he introduces to us two what I call model servants, two model characters, things that we can learn from these two men about the way to serve Christ. But to do that, I need to stop for just a few moments, and I need to draw you a little bit of a picture. And to do that, I want to read to you from 1 Peter. You need not turn there, but 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. Listen. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. 
If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability God supplies. Now, what Peter tells us is this, is that God gives to every one of his children a gift. Did you know you're gifted? Not only are you a gift to us, you have been gifted by God. He has given to you an enablement to do certain types of ministry and certain types of work within the body of Christ. And then Peter goes beyond that, and he says there are two broad categories. Now, please understand, these two categories are broad categories. Beneath it, as you study elsewhere in the Scripture, there's great specification that comes in these two broad categories. On the one hand, he says there's this category where we speak the oracles of God. There are some people that God is gifted to lead, some that he's gifted to study his word and to bring it forth and to teach it and to preach it, to use it to apply to people's lives. He's gifted some in the area of speaking the oracles of God, that they love to mentor, they love to disciple, they love to talk to others, they're great counselors, they love to speak the word of God. They love to get into the depths of the Word of God and understand the meaning of the Word of God. Not that all of you don't have that same desire, but in a unique way. They have a desire to understand the depths of the Word of God so that they might apply it to life. And and that's one broad category that Peter talks about of people who are gifted. But then he talks about a second category. He says those that minister. He's talking more about the people who are the nuts and bolts kinds of people in ministry. The the hands-on kind of people. He's talking about the kind of people that enjoy more the the behind-the-scenes kind of a role. They're not necessarily looking to be out front leading. They're not looking to be the speaker. They're not looking to counsel or uh, to be somebody who's going to be teaching or leading a life group. They'd rather get their hands dirty. They'd rather get involved in ministry somewhere. And the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4 says there's these two broad categories. On this one category, we have people who are gifted to speak and to lead and to teach and to counsel and to mentor and to take the Word of God and apply it to life. On the other hand, there are those who who minister, who have that behind-the-scenes, nuts-and-bolts kind of approach to ministry. And then what he does, what Paul will do, I should say, is Paul will take Timothy in Epaphroditus, and he'll use them as examples of these two broader categories, these two broader understandings of the way that people operate within the body of Christ. And all of that is for this reason. God wants you to understand that real joy comes when you plug into the body of Christ and when you get serving in the body of Christ. When everybody finds their place and they get busy doing whatever it is God has gifted you to do. In those broader categories, it may be that God has gifted you with more of a speaking, leading, teaching, influencing kind of a role. For others of you, it may be that you're more the ministry side, behind the scenes, the nuts and bolts, uh, the hands-on, get-your-hands-dirty kind of a gifting that God has given to you. But both of them, are absolutely necessary, and both of them are gifts from God. And Timothy and Epaphroditus represent these two opposite sides. And as you talk about them, you see that plugging into the body of Christ and getting busy serving Christ is where the joy of the Lord comes out in our lives, how it's produced in our lives. 
Now, you've got to understand, that doesn't mean that if you're over here on this side, the nuts and bolts, the hands-on, that you're never called on to lead or to speak. Or if you're on this side where your primary role is speaking and leading and teaching and guiding and influencing, that you're never called on to do the nuts and bolts and the hands-on kind of work. But, but it means that when you find your place within the body of Christ and you start working within that role, you discover that there is great joy and there is great fulfillment that comes from doing so. Of these two men that we're looking at in the book of Philippians, Timothy was of that role of speaking and teaching and leading and influencing people. And Epaphroditus was of that role of ministering, that hands-on, that get-your-hands-dirty, that nuts-and-bolts kind of aspect of ministry. And each of them found joy in serving the Lord, though they went about it differently because of their gifting. Nevertheless, they were both vitally important to the body of Christ, and they were vitally important uh, to the work of God. The name Timothy means honoring God. And Timothy certainly did that in his life. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy, this one who honors God. I, 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 I trust that I'll send him to you shortly. And Timothy honored God by fulfilling the role that God had given to him. But the name Epaphroditus, well, it's not as masculine as you might think it is. It means lovely or charming. Must have been a, a wonderful person to be around, lovely or charming. But this man as well was a man who served that hands-on, nuts and bolts. He's the one that the Philippian church entrusts with this monetary gift that they have for the Apostle Paul to get it transported all the way to Rome so that Paul will have the needed resources in order to carry out his ministry. And so as you look at this administrative portion of the book of Philippians. You're seeing the Apostle Paul at work as he's moving these men to where they need to be. And you're seeing two different men, both gifted differently, plugged into the work of God, finding the joy of God in doing what God has given them to do. Listen, Timothy cannot be Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus cannot be Timothy. Sometimes their roles may overlap, but God has given to each of them distinctly different gifts, and he has different purposes for them to fulfill. And in doing so, they find the joy of the Lord in their service. A big part of experiencing joy in church life is knowing where you best fit and then serving diligently in that realm with all your heart as to the Lord. It's not to come and sit and just watch everybody else while they're serving. It's to say, you know what? God has gifted me. By the grace of God, I've received this gift, and God wants me to serve. Maybe I'm the out front kind of a person. Maybe I'm the behind the scenes kind of a person. But wherever it is, I've got to get busy in the service of God because that's where I'm going to find the joy of the Lord in my life. Now, as you think about these two distinctly different men, both of them serving the Lord according to their own giftedness, while they may be distinctly different in a lot of ways, there's some things about these men, some qualities that these men possess alike that makes them usable, that makes them model servants of the Lord. And you might want to write these three down. The first 
quality that you see about these model servants is that they both possessed a deep love for the people of God. They both possessed a deep love for the people of God. Think about Timothy with me for just a few moments, if you will. Uh, Timothy was the one that the Apostle Paul is going to administratively move from Rome and going to send him to Philippi in order to talk to and to lead and to instruct the Philippian believers. Paul is concerned about the Philippians. He's concerned that they're going on with the Lord, that they're following Christ, that they're obeying the Word of God. And when he stops to think about somebody to send to do that task, he doesn't send somebody from the a role of the hands-on, get-your-hands-dirty kind of a role. He sends someone from this side of ministry who has that leading and teaching and guiding and instructing kind of a ministry. And that person is none other than Timothy himself. Look again at chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. He says, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. He says, I have nobody else that's like-minded, that thinks the same way about these things, that takes the same care of these things. And don't you find it interesting that he says there's nobody else that's like this? They all seek their own rather than the things of Christ Jesus? I think we have to be careful with that statement in over-interpreting it. I don't think Paul meant that throughout the course of his entire ministry, there weren't other people like Timothy that you could give this kind of a task to and know that it would be fulfilled. But I think he's saying at this moment, at this moment, Timothy is the only one. And you have to stop and you have to ask the question, why? Is it because these others have become so entangled in the affairs of this life that they've been pulled away from the greater task and the greater responsibility that God has given to them? Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. He said, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You have to wonder, as Paul looked across the landscape of people that he might send to Philippi, and the only one that he could think that was like-minded, that would care like he cared, that would do it like he would do it, that would minister and lead like he would minister and lead, was Timothy. Maybe it was because some of the others had just become entangled in the affairs of this life. And they had lost that sense of deep care, that deep love for the people of God that's so vitally important if you're going to care for other people. That same deep love existed not only in Timothy, it existed in Epaphroditus as well. Think about it. Epaphroditus came what we believe to be about 800 miles on this journey from Philippi to Rome. Whether he crossed the sea, whether he did all of this by land is a debatable issue. But at least about 800 miles or so that he had to travel. He had been entrusted with a sum of money that the Philippians had, had given uh, to take to the Apostle Paul to help him while he was in Rome and in ministry there in Rome while under arrest. And this man was going to have to travel all of those miles through all of that danger with that large sum of money. And when he got there, what was he going to do? He was going to give it to Paul and then he was going to minister to Paul. But what happens to him? When he gets there, he becomes gravely 
ill, even to the place that at one moment Paul thought he might well die. A lot of historians have surmised that in the travels of Epaphroditus, that when he got to Rome, that there may well have been some kind of an illness in Rome that wasn't common anywhere else. And consequently, he didn't have an immunity to it. And when he got there, he picks up this illness, sort of like what we're facing with the pandemic. He picks up this illness that he's never been exposed to before, and suddenly it takes him down. It takes him almost to the point of death. It takes him as low as you can possibly go, and the people are distressed when they hear about it. The Philippians get word back that Epaphroditus got there, but he's sick. He's about to die. If God doesn't intervene, he may well die. Listen in the verses 26 and 27. Paul writing says, since he was longing for you all and was distressed. Hear those words? He was longing. There's that deep love. Longing for you all and distressed because you heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. As Timothy had displayed a disentangling of his life from this world and a deep love for the people of God so much that he was like-minded with the Apostle Paul, could be trusted to go back and do the work like Paul would do the work, there was Epaphroditus that came from Philippi to Rome. But his heart was longing for the people of God in Philippi. He had this deep, abiding love for the people of God. And can I just say to you that while we all serve in different capacities, we all have different roles to fulfill in these broader categories of some that are speaking and leading and teaching and instructing and mentoring and, and discipling, or those that are hands-on and nuts and bolts and those that are behind the scenes and get your hands dirty kind of work. Both roles, both people need to be serving with a deep love for the people of God like Timothy had for the people of God, like Epaphroditus had for the people of God. And should that be any surprise to us? The Apostle Paul enjoins upon all of us the importance of loving one another. You know, I've read 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings many times. It's a passage about love. It's the love chapter. And it's a beautiful chapter to read, or at least portions of the chapter to read during a wedding. But you know it has nothing to do with a wedding? It was written to a church, a church that was in conflict, a church that was in division, a church where there was carnality present. And the Apostle Paul writes these words, 1 Corinthians 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And then he goes on to lay out the qualities of love, all of which are choices that we make. They're actions in which we get involved. In other words, he says we ought to be serving God from a heart of love, no matter what your role is, no matter what your capacity is. If you're in one of these categories, and as you talk about these two different categories, some of you are automatically already putting yourself under these broader, uh, these broader headings, aren't you? 
Some of you are already thinking, yeah, that's me. I, I love to get out front. I love to dig deep into the Word. I love to instruct people. I love to disciple. I love to mentor people. I love to teach. I love to lead a life group. I love that side of it. And other, others of you are thinking, no way. No way, that's not me at all. I like to be behind the scenes. I just like to get my hands dirty. Give me a job to do. Let me have some of the nuts and bolts of the ministry. I'm willing to do it. I'm, I'm willing to get it organized. Just don't put me out front of anybody. You were thinking to yourself, you know, I fit in, in one of those two categories better than I fit in the other. But whichever category you fit in and has, it gets more specified as you go down and learn more about gifting, as it gets more specified, the reality is what must motivate every one of us is a deep, deep love for the people of God. Do you love the people of God around you? Do you love the people of God you serve? Do you love the people of God with whom you attend church? Do you love the people of God? The second characteristic that both of these men had in common was they both possessed a commitment to the gospel mission. They both possessed a commitment to the gospel mission. Not only did they have a deep abiding love for the people of God. They, they were equally committed to advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They both were motivated by the gospel. More than anything else, they wanted to see the gospel go forward. Now, if you haven't caught this in the book of Philippians, you need to get it. That was Paul's greatest concern. Whether he lived or died wasn't that important that the gospel continued to advance was what was most important to the Apostle Paul. And that's what ought to be most important to every one of us who are serving the Lord, no matter what our gifting may be. Ultimately, what we long for is others to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that he can change their lives forever. If you want to look back into chapter 1, you see the attitude of Paul about the gospel. In verse 5, he talks about their fellowship or their partnership in the gospel. In verse 7, he talks about confirming the gospel. In verse 12, he talks about needing to advance the gospel. In verse 14, he talks about proclaiming the gospel. In verse 17, he talks about the defense of the gospel. And when you get to verse 27, he talks about living in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. You think the gospel was important to the Apostle Paul? It's all over the work and the life of Paul. And Paul comes and says, both of these men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, both of these men not only have a deep love for the people of God, but both of these men are committed to the gospel mission. And they're both working for the same cause. It's possible, as you think about Timothy, that he was the younger of these two men we're talking about. You'll notice in verse 22, he says, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Why would you say that he's probably the younger? Well, he's referred to as a son with his father. When he talks about Epaphroditus, he says, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. When he talks about Timothy, he talks about my faithful son in the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, it may be that Paul had led Timothy to Christ. If he hadn't led Timothy to Christ, he certainly had mentored Timothy and discipled Timothy in the work of God. And Timothy had walked along and been along with the Apostle Paul on many occasions in ministry. 
He traveled with Paul during the early years of his missionary journeys. He labored with Paul. He taught with Paul. He suffered with Paul. And according to the writer of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 23, Paul was even imprisoned at one point, like Paul. In other words, this was a man who had learned from the apostle Paul what was central to Paul's life. It was the gospel, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. But Epaphroditus was equally committed to the gospel, just in a different way. Nevertheless, he was equally committed to the gospel. His ministry was different to Timothy's, but it was the same in this respect. The outcome was that the gospel advanced to the ends of the earth. When you see Epaphroditus, you see Epaphroditus carrying a sum of money, a large sum of money, traveling over some 800 or so miles entering into danger as he makes this journey and then contracting some kind of an illness that almost takes away his life. And why would he do that? Because the advancing of the gospel through the apostle Paul was absolutely essential. And his aspect of ministry in being committed to the mission of the gospel was to help the apostle Paul to keep doing what God had given him to do. It always reminds me of the story uh, in the Old Testament of Moses and Aaron and her. When Moses was on top of that hill and holding up the rod of God, the army of Israel was winning in the valley beneath, but his arms grew weary, and he began to droop his arms with the rod in his hand. He began to droop his arms down, and as he did, the armies of Israel began to lose. And so Aaron and her pulled up alongside of Moses, and they helped to hold up the arms of Moses until the battle was completely won. That's Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus wasn't the preacher. He wasn't the teacher. He wasn't the, he wasn't the mentor kind of an individual where he was standing in front of others, and, and he was leading as the apostle Paul would lead. But you know what he could do committed to the gospel? He could come to the aid of the apostle Paul and hold up his arms to do the great work that God had given the Apostle Paul to do. And both of these men, in their own unique way, were committed to the gospel. And may I say that no matter what you were doing, the ultimate outcome of everything you were doing should be to see the gospel advance. Amen? That should be the ultimate example. I was talking to one of our missionaries who started out his life in the business world. And then out of the business world, God called he and his wife to go to the mission field. And one of the things he said to me as I was talking to him, he said, you know, even in the business world, it was always a means to an end. The end was always to get the gospel out. And God just called me to do it in a different way than I was doing it in the business world. Can I, can I say to every one of us who are believers and all of you that are watching us, our ultimate ministry is the ministry of the gospel, to get the gospel to every person we can possibly reach with the gospel. And these two men had this deep love for the people of God, though unique, though had different gifting, though they served in different ways. They both loved the people of God, and they were both committed to the ministry of the gospel. But they had one more characteristic I want to point out to you that is given to us here. They both possessed a proven character of faithfulness. 
They both possessed a proven character of faithfulness. Paul was very concerned about the Philippians. Were they going on with the Lord? Were they staying faithful to Christ? Were they following Christ? Were they obeying his word? He was very concerned. And so he reaches in and he takes Timothy in his administrative role. He reaches in and he takes Timothy and he says, Timothy, I'm going to send you. I can't go. I'm under arrest here in Rome. 24-7, I'm chained to a Roman guard. I can't go. But I'm going to reach in and I'm going to use Timothy and I'm going to send Timothy to do what needs to be done in Philippi. And do you know why he could do that? Because Timothy had already proven himself to be a faithful man. There's another occasion where Paul uses Timothy and he sends him to Thessalonica. And he goes down to Thessalonica to encourage those that are there in Thessalonica. And then he comes back with a report to the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Listen to what he says. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, come from the Thessalonians back to me, come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, so we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we, are, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. You, do you hear what I'm, what I'm saying to you? The apostle, Tim, the apostle Paul says Timothy has proven himself. He's proven himself to be trustworthy. He's proven himself to be dependable. He's proven himself to fulfill, faithfully fulfill, whatever the task is that I've given to him. But it wasn't just Timothy who was committed to that kind of faithfulness. It was Epaphroditus as well who had this proven character of faithfulness. Think about this for a moment. Verse 25, look at it. He says, yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. That's Paul talking to the Philippians. It's necessary for me to send Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Now, think about this, about faithfulness in the life of Epaphroditus. Number one, he's chosen by his church to be the messenger to Paul, some 800 miles. He's given a large sum of money. He's entrusted as the steward of a large sum of money that's supposed to be deposited with Paul. That journey would have had all kinds of perils on it in the process. And when he gets there, he contracts some kind of an illness that almost destroys his life. And when he recovers, does he tuck his tail and go home? He stays there. And he ministers faithfully to the apostle Paul. Until Paul says, I'm going to send him back to you. I heard you have gotten news that he's been sick almost to, to, to the place of death. You don't know that he's better. I'm going to send him back to you so that you can rejoice that everything is okay. You know what Epaphroditus had done? He had the proven character of faithfulness. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. You know, a lot of people in the middle of a pandemic have just given up. I've given up on the work of Christ. Just going to withdraw into my own little circle and live in my own little circle. I'm going to heaven whether anybody else is or not. Epaphroditus proved the character of faithfulness as Timothy had proven to be a man who was faithful. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? These two men were distinctly different. The joy of serving came from doing 
completely different kinds of things. But both of them were able to rejoice, and both of them were able to have joy in their lives, serving in the way that God intended them to serve. But while there are these differences, what united them was a common love for the people of God and a commitment to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ and a character that was proven over time. And the result was that the Apostle Paul said, these two men are models for you to follow. I don't mean models like you dress up a model. That would be me. No, 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 I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm talking about people who, if you're going to follow in their footsteps, these are two men to follow in their footsteps. If God didn't call you to be the out front, outspoken leader type of gifting, if God called you to be a behind-the-scenes, nuts-and-bolts, hands-on, get-my-hands-dirty kind of serving, whatever it is God has called you to do, he says, do it, do it, because you love the people of God, because you want to advance the mission of the gospel and prove yourself to be a person of faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. May we serve with genuine compassion for people, sacrificial commitment to the gospel, and proven faithfulness in our tasks. How often do we put our confidence in unfaithful men and women? And every time we're disappointed, God wants to make us a faithful people. We're the body of Christ we're serving each other. We're loving each other. We're working together to advance the gospel. We're involved in this work as one, all of us united as one, seeking to be faithful to the task that God has given to us.